0: What if I told you this was episode 133 of the Juicebox podcast, and that today we were being visited by the president and COO of Omnipod. Who did Shacey talk about a lot today? I had to write it down, which I never do. I'm not organized. Here's what we talked about. Static, the business of, uh, the business of insulin pump making. Hmm. Upcoming Dash PDM. PDM in the meter, I can't read my own note. You're gonna have to listen to this. My handwriting is atrocious. Manufacturing, Animus, switching program, when the dash is coming out, adhesive, phone, I can't even read this word, phone control? Oh, when will you be able to control your pod from a phone? Yeah, there's a lot in here. Plus, gluco, will there be a meter in the new PDM? And of course, artificial pancreas. This episode of the podcast is sponsored today by Dexcom. Please go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. And, meta enough, by Omnipod. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get started today. And later in the show, I'm going to give you a phone number you can call if you're an Animus customer and you'd like to try out an Omnipod. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before deciding to be bold with insulin.
1: Hello, this
0: is Shacey. Shacey, hey, it's Scott Benner. How are you? Hey, Scott. I'm good. How are you? Pretty well, thank you. Excellent. I'm excited we can do this. I have to, um, we have just an hour, I I imagine, but um, that's right. I I just have to tell you that I've made two mistakes while making this podcast. I've probably recorded 180 episodes at this point. One of them (laughs) was I spoke to Victor Garber for an hour and didn't record my voice, just his. (laughs) (laughs) That, That was a good one. And uh, the second one was, uh, my daughter continued to win in the Little League World Series tournaments, and so our schedules changed day after day after day, and one day they won a game none of us expected them to win, and suddenly I was driving to Bristol, Connecticut, and I arrived, and my wife and I were moving all of Arden's stuff into this dorm for this week-long tournament they have to play, and I get this, like thing that pops up on my phone that tells me that in one minute I'm going to call you an interview for the podcast, except I live in New Jersey, not Bristol, Connecticut, and I was in a parking lot at a Little League facility, and I thought, oh my, oh my God, what did I do? So I, I real quick, I called Natalie, and she said, you know what? Don't panic because I was talking to Chasey this morning and I got the feeling like she would have loved to have put this off and I was like <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I think we've just had the happiest of happy accidents uh, and, and that's
1: fantastic. We were probably having similar days.
0: <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I uh, apologize for that. But it turns out no. that it was great that we got pushed to this date because so much has sort of happened in the interim. No that it, kidding. I mean, it's,
1: it's been an interesting couple of weeks, yeah, hasn't
0: it? Much better for us to talk now than um than back then, so uh, I won't introduce you or anything like that. I'll do that when I when I don't have you uh, on the line. Um, I have a, a, a few things I'm hoping to ask you about. I'd love you to give as much insight into it as you possibly can. I realize that uh, you're a publicly traded company and you can't just start saying we really hope to do this in 2025. Um, but but um, but you know, I think that I've learned a couple of things having this podcast for so long. First of all, Omnipod and Dexcom are the There, if there's if there's diabetes technology with groupies, you guys are probably it. Um, When I have people on the show, I never ask them what insulin pump they use, but inevitably, nine times out of ten, they tell me Omnipod when I ask them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the excitement, you you only see the excitement every once in a while, right? Even you know there, there maybe there was a little excitement about the new faster acting insulin, but it didn't hit people like news from Omnipod and Dexcom does. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just really excited to have you on. Um, but Excellent. I think we should probably just start maybe with the the elephant in the internet, right? Um, mm-hmm. Animus just a few days ago announced that they are just not making insulin pumps anymore. Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, I feel like I saw that coming. Did you feel the same way?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's a challenging market. And obviously, when J and J announced that they were um, attempting to sell or seek strategic alternatives for that business, and then the next question is, well, who's in whose hands does that business make sense? Mm-hmm. And given at least what we understood from the outside looking in about the dynamics of that business, um, the fact that it wasn't growing, et cetera, it was very difficult to see who was going to be a, a potential uh, and good acquirer of that business. And so, um, you know, I think it's been in a very tenuous spot since they made that announcement and it didn't take us by surprise at all that J&J had determined that they were going to exit.
0: Okay. And so they, how many, do you know about how many users you think had were using different animus products?
1: Uh, across the globe, about 90,000. I can't recall the breakdown between the United States and uh, Europe um, and Canada, which I think are their major markets. Um, and so I would guess maybe 50,000, 60,000 people in the United States.
0: So is that, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm immediately getting off track, but as the person who runs a, an, an insulin pump company, is that, how hard is that? From a business standpoint, you want to do something good in the world and help people, and not just give them this thing that just works, but make it, you know, seamless and a great experience in their life as best as it can be. But you don't have the ability to sell one to everyone walking the planet. You're not selling iPhones. Everybody doesn't, you know what I mean? Like right. you, you're, you're, you have a segment population. Um, do you think that's? I mean, yeah, I'm assuming that's scale, something you think about a lot of scale. scale.
1: Yeah, I think scale is a really important. Um, you know, factor in how successful companies are or aren't. Um, So that is one element of it. Uh, Absolutely. I think you would have thought though, uh, because of their blood glucose business, that actually J&J had the scale to serve the market. Um, You know, and in fact, I think they did. I think this is a, a consideration more from, a broader point of view, does this make sense in the j and j portfolio as opposed to does this discrete business make sense but it 's not an easy business to enter into you know the insulin pump market or diabetes in general. Um, the cost to serve this market is is pretty significant, and so, as a individual standalone company, the animus pump, not the life scan business um, and not those businesses together, but just the animus business. You have to ask yourself, can somebody really, um, you know, absorb the cost and make money serving this market given, um, you know, the discrete nature of that business versus that business as part of a larger one?
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting and it, 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 it leads to a conversation that I'll have somewhere else. But I think that it's important for people to recognize that some of this technology that they have is... I don't know how to put it exactly, but it, it's not the most profitable thing a company could be doing. And so, right. you know, when you yeah. see somebody involved in it to this level, I, I always just feel kind of grateful. But um, it's also yeah. it's also commerce, and you know, I, I'm I'm paying you for it, so I don't feel all that grateful. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's something to consider that it, it, you really could be just getting needles and pens and being told, you know, you know, good luck.
1: Well, and I I think actually, I uh, I think that some of the responsibility lies with us as developers, manufacturers, and providers of these technologies. You know, some of it rests with us to find out, find the answers to some of these broader business model challenges in diabetes. And one example of that, Scott, and I don't know if we're recording or not. We are, (laughs) we're We're doing doing great. Are you kidding? I love this. (laughs) (laughs) But the, um, you know, one example of that is just, the, the training of new patients, right? As a, when you provi- as a company, when you provide an insulin pump, you are an actual provider. So you build, you do the benefits investigation, you build the insurer, you, um, you know, follow up with the patient, deliver the benefits, determine the best way to get the product to the patient. You then train the patient and you support the patient or the user, right? And that is not true of all medical device. In most cases, you instead of serving, as we do, 100 plus thousand patients, you're serving 10,000 physicians. You are not you know, training or supporting the end user for the rest of their life. You are training and supporting a clinician once, and then they train and provide the technology. So it's a very different business model in diabetes, and that brings with it cost to serve challenges, scale challenges that don't come in, in other types of technologies that a company like a J&J would have in their portfolio. So when they're looking at that business and how it compares to other components of the business, it's you know, very often because of those cost challenges going to be less profitable and more challenging to scale than other businesses in their portfolio. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's it's, uh, it's complex for, for certain. Okay, so now there's these 90,000 people out in the world who at some point are going to lose the ability to use their animus pump. Um, I'm assuming Omnipod would love them to be users, right? Uh, are you guys making any kind of like entry offers? Am I like getting like a free year of cable or something like that? How does it work exactly?
1: (laughs) We are, uh, we are absolutely. And it's been standard practice uh, for us since I guess Asante went out of business. So Asante and then when Roche stopped serving new customers and now with Animus. Uh, we have a program to help make sure that these uh, customers are fully supported and that they can make whatever choice they want in terms of their insulin delivery system right. and that we make it easy for them to be able to access our technology um, at zero cost, if at all possible. So we have our uh, Animus uh, Welcome Program. And what this does is provide an Animus user with a no-cost uh, PDM, our personal diabetes manager, and a free cost, a free box of pods. And then we also, for the users that may be using Dexcom and Animus, uh, we also have a co-pro, I think it's a co-promotion, but it's definitely a co-program with Dexcom, uh, which will provide those users a no-cost PDM, a free box of pods, and then a gift card uh, from Dexcom to put towards a Dexcom product. So we do really want to make sure that um, all of these users know that Omnipod is an option for them, and we will do whatever we can uh, to make that transition smooth uh, and you know, cost as little as possible, ideally uh, nothing, to be
0: able to transition to the product. And it sounds like there's literally no risk for them to try. Right, yeah. I always think of, I don't know if you'll see the correlation here, but I always think of Omnipod like TiVo so there are insulin pumps and there's Omnipod and there's DVRs for your television and there's TiVo. You might have a DVR from, you know, your cable company and it probably works fine and it records things. You would never think that it could be better. But if you had a TiVo, you would see how much better it is than a regular <laughs> DVR, right? But, but who's right. going to make that decision? Like when you sit down on your sofa and the television show you theirs, like who would make that decision? And right. I think of Omnipod the same way. I think if you handed someone an Omnipod, and then told them, hey, in 30 days, if you don't like it, we'll come get it back from you. They'd never give it back to you. Right. But how do you get them to distinguish the difference between insulin pump and Omnipod? You, you know, and I, so I right. think this is a right. wonderful opportunity for people to see that what I'm saying is really true.
1: I think you're, you're right, Scott. And what's amazing about these te- all of these technologies, whether it's, you know, multiple daily injections or uh, a tube pump or Omnipod, is that when somebody... You know, with diabetes uses them, they interact with them, and they end up sort of managing their life around these technologies, and they make all these you know changes in their daily habits as a result of having to manage their diabetes and whatever technology they're relying on and I think sometimes when you get used to something, you know and obviously it's so important people rely on their routines to be able to minimize variables to be able to manage their disease, and you get used to relying on something sometimes you can't, you can't imagine the benefits that a technology like Omnipod provides for you. And, and that's one of the reasons why we want people to be able to try the technology free of charge, because I think we talked about this last time I I spoke with you, but you know, my father was on a tube pump for four four or five years, and it took me a long time to get him onto a tube pump from multiple daily injections, uh, you know, close to 20 years, actually. Um, And so it I think always when you're relying on and you have control, a modicum of control with whatever you're managing, um, to be convinced to try a new technology can be very challenging when you've gotten used to something. But when people try omnipod when they've been managing with either multiple multiple daily injections or to pump, it offers a level of freedom um, and quality of life and control that um, you know, that they didn't have with either of those technologies. And I think Um, it's hard to conceive of really until you get your hands on it and actually try
0: it. You don't realize like as one general example is you don't realize how many times you have to disconnect with the tube pump and how that affects your, your day and then how it ends up affecting your A1C and, you know, and everything. And I, I wish people could have been just yesterday. Arden played three softball games in the afternoon between noon and six. They jammed them in. And uh-huh. some, and her blood sugar was between, I'm going to say 85 and about 140 while she was playing. And at yeah. one point it got over 130. And I watched my, I said to my wife, I'm like, she needs like, like a half a unit. And... I said it to my wife. My wife yelled over the fence to a coach. I heard the coach yell into the dugout. And it just went like this, point 0.5, point 0.5, point 0.5, like down the lane. <laughs> and then you heard like, okay, come out of the dugout. And that was the end of it. And and, and, and it was just like, it was so simple because she's, she, not only is she playing, but she's not disconnected because it's just, and she was throwing herself all over the place yesterday. And it just, again, that's not something you would right. think about if you if you had a tube pump and you disconnect for your activity, but your A1C is 7, you're probably like, wow, I'm doing great. Except Arden's right. A1C is like 5.6. So, yeah, you know, and that, those little moments yeah. are the difference.
1: Yeah. For my father, um, he, you know, he always slept on one side because he had his tube pump on the other side. Right. And so he had this sort of shoulder and hip pain that he was just dealing with. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, that's just a, an example of something that went away once he went to Omnipod um, because he could place it in multiple different spots and, um, you know, and be able to sort of sleep the way he wanted to sleep. So, just these tiny little inconveniences that people deal with when they manage this disease that at least we hope that Omnipod can really help alleviate.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right, listen, I have a bunch of questions, so I don't want to go too okay, rapid fire to for you, but let's yeah. do it. So, first of all, <laughs> tell me the difference. I think I know. But it, there's things coming in the future, um, and one of them is Dash and one of them is Horizon. Which is mm-hmm. which? Tell me which is which.
1: Okay, great. Uh, that's a great question. So Dash is the first new product that we will bring to market, and Dash is very much the foundation for all subsequent uh, innovations, including Horizon. So Dash, uh, we've been, you know, gosh, rapidly developing that over the last two years. Really, almost three years now. Um, we will submit to the FDA for approval uh, before the end of this year, and we're, we are really uh, excited about this technology. What Dash is is a new—it's—it is a new modern touchscreen personal diabetes manager,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that that communicates via Bluetooth to the pod. So it also includes a new pod that doesn't change in form factor, but adds Bluetooth to the pod for communication. So this is really important uh, for two two reasons. Um, You know, we saw the opportunity to bring uh, more ease of use and a more uh, modern, intuitive experience to our users for the PDM. As you might imagine, that uh, device was launched in 2013, and there's been just great advances in mobile, you know, mobile technology. And devices and user interface. And so we want to leverage all of that. Um, Dash is a locked down Android device. So it's very much a cell phone like experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've just completed the human factors testing. So that's new information. Um, And uh, the user interface uh, tested just incredibly well. So that's, you know, one advantage is that, you know, to complete typical tasks with your PDM, like priming a pod or setting a temporary basal profile, all of those things happen in a much easier, more intuitive way with Dash. But I think, I think that's almost secondary, and we're very excited. It's a very cool, slick uh, device, but I think it's secondary to the other advantages that Bluetooth brings. When you put Bluetooth into the pod and into the PDM, it really liberates the data from, from those devices to the cloud. And that enables us to provide a whole host of additional uh, features and technology, uh, some of which will launch right away with Dash and some that will come over time. Um, so the two two examples of uh, what will launch with Dash is the first one is the Dash app. So this is on a user's mobile phone. Um, the Dash app will display key PDM information like insulin on board, like uh, last bolus, last pod change, alerts and alarms. The things that you don't have to you won't have to go searching for your PDM for. Uh, it will be available just on your app on secondary display on your
0: mobile phone. So my it, interactions with the with the insulin pump can happen through my app on the phone. And then when I actually have to make an adjustment to my insulin, then I go to the the PDM.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And this is one step. So you know our goal from all of our discussions with our users is to get to phone control. So uh, just an app on your phone and the pod. And so this is one step in that direction because Dash, uh, the new PDM, is an app on a phone, but it's on a lockdown phone uh, that only performs that uh, that functionality. So you can't do anything else with that device but use it as a PDM. And then the secondary display is an app on your phone uh, that just displays but does not control. So this is sort of step one towards... Phone control.
0: And do you see a world where the FDA allows you to eventually put the the control of the, of the pump in a phone app?
1: I do see that. Um, and I think I was not, the last time we spoke, I was not as confident in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we remain in discussions. So as soon as we kind of have a very clear path, that's hopefully something we'll communicate more completely. But I think the FDA certainly recognizes uh, what we recognize, which is that this is what users want. Right. Um, and it is our job as the developer of the technology to uh, ensure that we have the right cybersecurity, the right safety protocols in place to address, um, you know, the FDA's concerns and frankly our concerns to make sure that uh, the device operates uh, safely and effectively. And so I think the way that this will play out is that um, you know it will be one device to begin with, not all mobile phones, but one mobile phone that. Um, Uh, that users would be able to use as a phone and also as a PDM, but that we've been able to sort of qualify, study, and secure in the way that we need to in order to achieve FDA approval.
0: Okay. So let's dig down into Dash for just a a second. Do you have an idea of when you think it'll be in people's hands? I said I heard you were gonna you're gonna put it in by the end of the year, but how? When is your hope? So
1: this is dash, right? So this is not mobile control, mobile phone control. This right. is dash, which is the lockdown device. And so this, I think, you know, it's a typical uh, somewhere between a three to six month approval pathway for a five ten k, not pro- approval, but clearance for a five ten k device. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably first half of next year is what we're expecting for the initial
0: launch. Do you have a ramp up time for production, or do you have them sitting in boxes waiting for us?
1: Well, the great thing about this is this is, um, you know, a mobile phone that is manufactured by a large, well-known provider. And so our, um, you know, our system is a software system that's loaded onto that phone. I see. Um, so from a, from a PDM perspective, that's a very straightforward path. Uh, and actually, the changes to the pod are very minor. So all we're changing in the pod is the communication protocol. So it really is a change to the board as opposed to a change to any other uh, key um, mechanism or manufacturing process with the pod. So we have designed this to be um, a fairly straightforward ramp, but we will enter into, as any good company (laughs) should do, we will enter into a limited market release to begin with uh, to ensure that the system is performing as we expected. To get feedback from the market on, uh, you know, how the device is working, et cetera. So, I think at least for the first few months of the system, uh, we'll be ramping slowly um, to make sure that it's working the way that we expect it to.
0: Plus, you can't use them as business card holders the way Dexcom can use the um, the share cradle. <laughs> <of them>. So, <laughs> you, you don't want to have too many of them laying around. Uh, <laughs> I, I do true. I do laud Dexcom for being so excited to get the share out to all of us, but boy, they got uh, <laughs> they got tripped up there. I, so here's here I think is maybe the the biggest I don't want to say issue, but I, I when you hear people talking about the the new PDM when the dash comes, okay So I think I understand that you did not include a blood glucose meter in in the dash. And I'm assuming that's partly because you're using like you said, an existing piece of technology that you're loading your software on. but even if it wasn't, would that have not extended significantly the time? that the device spent with the FDA and wouldn't that slow down the next step of what you're trying to accomplish? Before Chase answers that question, let's actually talk about Omnipod. Let's do their ad right here. So we'll do a quick little bit for those of you who aren't Atomos customers. If you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for a tubeless insulin pump, if you're looking for what you hear Chase and I talking about today, it's very simple. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, fill out a short form. And the next thing you know, you'll have a demo pod, which is absolutely free and has no obligation in your hands in your home. And you can check it out, wear it and see what you think. Now, if you're an Animus customer, and first of all, sincerely, I'm sorry for you losing your insulin pump. I understand exactly how uh, crushing that would be if I lost Omnipod. But maybe soon you'll feel about Omnipod the way I do and you'll forget all about those Animus things. Animus and Roche Pump customers, no-cost personal diabetes manager, absolutely free, and 10 pods, absolutely free. It's a box of pods. This welcome program is available up until December 31st, 2017. There are terms and conditions. I'm going to put a link in the show notes where you can go read them, but they are not very restrictive restrictions. It's just a couple of things, a couple of states where it doesn't work. Uh, there's some stuff about Medicare and Medicaid. You'll go to the link if you need to know but it's much simpler than the link forget the link one 6 get pod that's one 888 6 call that number tell the person that answers the phone I have been abandoned by animus and I would like to try an Omnipod also mention you heard about this on the juice box podcast good luck I hope you love your new tubal insulin pump
1: It would. It was a very, so you're exactly right, Scott. And it was very much a strategic, we understand the trade offs. It was very much a strategic decision because, so you're right, there's no physical integration of a meter, um, but there is a very easy Bluetooth integration of the Ascensia meter. And we understand and really, really sympathize with the fact that our users don't want to carry another device. But we also have a fast-growing component of our user population that is dosing off of their CGM, anyways. That's a that's a significant portion of our uh, user group today. And as we sort of looked over the horizon and said, okay, it's going to get us a couple years. It's going to be a couple years before we get this system to market. By then, where will the market be? So this is you know this is where we were a couple years ago, and we said, well, you know, there's going to be more and more utilization of CGM. There's going to be more. Um, factory-calibrated dosing sensors on the market that people are going to be using. And all of that means that fewer and fewer people are going to be relying on that blood glucose meter as frequently or if at all as they are today. And long-term, our goal, which we've heard loudly and clearly from our customer base, is to get to phone control where we'd have to eliminate the meter anyways, right, uh, in terms of integration. And so all of those those factors are what drove us to make the decision to move to Bluetooth integration as opposed to physical integration. And you're right. When you integrate a meter, any meter into a device, um, you know, it is a, that adds time and complexity to the project, uh, both from an approval standpoint, as well as from a development standpoint. And then I'd say the final, the the final reason why we made this decision, if you just think about how many PDMs we manufacture on an annual basis, Mm -hmm. Today, call it a hundred thousand, probably somewhere between seventy and a hundred thousand PDMs that we manufacture on a daily or an annual basis. A cell phone manufacturer manufactures millions of these devices, and with that scale, can come reliability, functionality that would be very difficult for us to provide to the market in the same way. Right. So, all of those sort of ingredients are what led us to make that decision um, uh, to integrate via Bluetooth with the Ascension meter as opposed to integrate a meter into our device. And I understand there's trade-offs. I'm hopeful that more and more people will see the benefit of um, CGM utilization um, and the quality of life and the, you know, the improved uh, control that that can provide users Um, uh, and, and see the benefits of being able to dose off that system today.
0: Yeah, in my in my mind, I mean, listen. When I first heard, I was like, "No, I love that." And then I thought, "Why do I care?" And and you know, it's sort of like one of those things. You're in a weird position trying to balance. So, you know, sadly, new people with type one diabetes come on every day as customers, and um, and at the same time, they want they want what's new and exciting, just like I did. Thirteen years ago, when Arden was diagnosed, and right. and if you told them, well, you can have this thing that looks like something that the the they wouldn't use on the original Star Trek because they would have said, no, that doesn't look futuristic enough, <laughs> right? And I, and you weren't with the company then, so you can laugh as hard as you want. But that PDM right. is clunky, and so and yeah, so like right so. So, you know, do you want this or would you rather have this sort of cell phone device and have this little meter with you? They'd be new people would say, well this this is a no-brainer. It it what we fall into is what we were talking about earlier, which is there are some people who are just comfortable doing things the way they do things. Yep. And yep. I always say to people, look, just remember that you woke up one day and they changed Facebook and you almost burned your house down and uh yeah. you you still use <laughs> Facebook and it's fine. <laughs> it's just we are sometimes our own worst enemies in situations like this. I think what you should want, what I want is for this to march forward because mm-hmm. this, this, this needs to continue on. You never want to be the person who looks up with type 1 diabetes and goes, oh, wait, no one does it like this anymore. You, you right. know, like I'm, I'm doing this 10 years ago. You know, just imagine there was somewhere somebody told somebody one day, one day you won't have to boil your urine anywhere. And that person was like, no way. You know, so so think right? of the no, PDM. That's exactly right. So let's try to think of the original PDM as boiling urine, and we're going to move on. <laughs> right? Hey, Please don't. I'm sorry, but, but we'll move on to something great. So, I
1: won't be using that in our marketing campaign. But
0: you know yeah. what? I don't think it would fly in a situation like that. So the the meter that you guys uh, chose is it the only meter that will work with Dash?
1: Uh, for now, we're looking at uh, integrating with all Bluetooth meters or any Bluetooth meter that um, meets our criteria in terms of accuracy and uh, market access. Um, we certainly want to give people uh, the choice. But we will be launching with the Ascensia meter, which is a great meter um, and obviously uh, very accurate and uh, widely available and widely accessible from a payer
0: perspective. If you were able to add new meters, would it just be like a software upgrade that I would make like something would happen over the air for my PDM?
1: That's our plan. It will require from us, it will require a, an FDA, uh, submission, but we're, our goal is to make it very much a seamless process for, um, uh, for our users. And the beautiful thing about, uh, you know, software and Bluetooth is that you can provide over the air, updates uh, in terms of, um, you know, bug fixes, software updates, etc. So uh, we're evaluating kind of the best way to be able to provide that, um, you know, additional uh, features to the market as they become available.
0: All right, Basel programs. Can we set multiple Basel programs anytime soon? Like can I have a Monday program and a Saturday program? Is that coming?
1: That is coming with Dash. Hey, nice. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and in fact, it's a very easy, intuitive way to be able to set um, uh, basal programs. I think it'll be very well received by the market. Um, and, you know, we do all of this user interface testing with the Dash device versus the Eros device. And almost without exception, every functionality is showing that it takes uh, tremendously less time and it's much more intuitive to be able to accomplish it with Dash versus Eros.
0: Okay uh you guys just broke ground on a manufacturing facility in is it in boston
1: uh, it's in Acton, the town of Acton, which is about uh, forty miles uh, northwest of Boston, okay. so very close to where our current facility is today and uh, yeah, this was terrific. We had a groundbreaking i guess the beginning of last week with Governor Baker and uh, about a gosh five or six hundred people that showed up, including. Our uh, potters from the area, um, local physicians, government officials, a lot of our team members. It was just a terrific event.
0: So now this seems to me to be, as a person who wants to continue to use Omnipod, this seems exciting to me. You guys would not be doing something like this if things weren't going pretty well, right? So, um, <laughs> and so what, 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 are the, um, what led to this and what, are, what, what, what good does it do for the company to do that manufacturing in a facility that you, that you own?
1: yeah well, so first of all you're right uh, this is a significant investment for us, and it is a direct result of the fact that we've been growing uh so rapidly and um so we're investing about a hundred million actually over a hundred million dollars in Acton uh to uh build a very uh, sophisticated highly automated manufacturing and innovation facility there uh We evaluated a a ton of um potential locations across the United States and actually across the globe um but we landed in Acton for a number of reasons. I think when we look at our business, because it's growing so quickly, we really have you know, three things that we've got to do. Uh, we've got to, number one, just meet that growing demand with high quality, reliable product. We've got to ensure redundancy of supply, um, which we don't have today. And uh, the third thing is we've got to be able to bring innovations to the market rapidly and successfully, and this is an area that you know the company has been challenged with in the past um with the launch of the most recent version of the pod back in two thousand and thirteen and so we saw uh, these three as sort of strategic imperatives for the business, and then with those in mind, evaluated a number of potential locations. We landed in Acton because it's close to our r and d group, and so we knew that we'd be able to innovate rapidly and have a very tight connection between our research and development and technology group and our manufacturing organization. And then also because the town of Acton uh, and Massachusetts and the state leadership just did a terrific job wanting us to be able to uh, stay where we were from a headquarters standpoint and continue to grow uh, jobs and our business right here in Massachusetts. So they worked with us to provide the right level of incentives and you know, find the right location for us.
0: Incredibly, and exciting. so we
1: we feel terrific. We're so excited. I mean, we are investing uh, right here uh, in our home state, and um, and we can be close to the project. And we've already made incredible rapid progress there. We've broken ground. We've um, you know started to build there, and we will have the structure up before snow flies, so that we can start to work on the in- internal guts as opposed to the external building.
0: Wow. Well, listen. Let me let me kiss your butt here for a second. Before you arrived at Omnipod. I was worried. (laughs) You are just, you and the people you've brought in are doing really incredible things. This company has gone from, oh, I hope this is still here to, wow, look at what Omnipod is now. And it's in no short uh, supply to, to the people that are involved. And I don't know if I ever really talk about it here or not, but this podcast, I hear from listeners on a daily basis about how this podcast helps people um, just live a a healthier day with type 1 diabetes, which is incredibly um, yeah. warming but it, it only really exists and we you don't hear this name on the podcast very often but you, you there's a woman who works at Omnipod named Natalie and I've I pitched the idea of this podcast to a lot of people like you know can you put ads on it so I can afford to make this you know so I can afford to, to do this podcast And a lot of people were like no 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 and I was on a conference call one day where I heard this voice from the back of the room go I understand what he's saying we should do this and I was like who is that angel um and it, <laughs> <laughs> it was because sometimes you say something that's so common sense over and over again but it's not the way people do business and so it's just like yeah that's nice but that's not what we do and and Natalie. Heard it, and because of that, everyone listening, and many more people who are going to come, and hundreds of thousands of people in the last two years are are experiencing more calm and and health and and lower A1Cs, and their fear is going away. And it, it is in no, it is because of Natalie. I, I've said it in other places privately, but. Had she not done that, I would not have been able to afford to put this kind of time into this. And uh, you've just brought a lot of really wonderful people to a place that I wanted to succeed very badly. And there was a moment when I thought it wasn't going to.
1: Oh, thanks, Really I appreciate what you're saying about Natalie and our team. She is terrific. And I think we have said all along that... You know, the reason we are where we are is because we've built an extraordinary team, Mm -hmm. and that's across all of the functions. I mean, Natalie is just a terrific marketing leader for us. Um, We've got an incredible operations team who uh, has helped us to really um, improve just the operational excellence of the organization so that, you know, we see a line towards profitability next year that uh, we've massively improved the quality the reliability um, of the technology and the the product that's coming off the line and so that we really have a roadmap when we look you know over the next ten years to how do we continue to grow and support people with diabetes with this you know this incredible technology but also bring innovation to the market so that we can continue to um, improve people's lives even further and I think in that way what Natalie saw is just that your mission and our mission, is very much aligned in wanting to reduce burden and help people live better lives. And whether that's psychological burden um, and everything that you do to help people get more information and insight so that they feel more empowered. um, You know, we're certainly uh, supportive of that. And I'm so glad we have the
0: the partnership we do. Well, thank you. But I also, it can't be understated that a lot of companies say they want to support the community, but when, when you guys started buying ads on this podcast, it, it, you weren't getting the value for your dollar at that moment. Like th- it was a trust issue, yeah. and and now it's now I feel like it, it's uh, it's serving you as well as it's serving the people who are listening. But in the very beginning, it was a leap, and and I and like I said, I've seen a lot of people. I I, I made that point in that moment. Like I need someone to trust that this is going to work, and if it does, we'll make it bigger. But somebody has to somebody has to trust it first. It was just yeah. um, I think it was because. Like I said, I've I've seen companies say we really care, but I don't know their actions don't seem to match their words sometimes. But but you guys really are, and that's fantastic. So in that vein, um, you guys still providing Gluco for free? Is that going to continue?
1: We are, and there's no plans to stop that. That's actually something I should have mentioned. Obviously, for new Animus users too, we'll provide that same service. Um, You know, we've got a great partnership with Gluco. I think we saw very quickly the value that they can bring to clinicians and to users uh, in terms of just really understanding where there were opportunities to, um, you know, if you look at your trends, how do you uh, find opportunities to just improve your management and uh, help you learn a little bit more about the various things that are impacting your glycemic control. So I I think it's a terrific platform. It's a terrific team and uh, we have no plans to stop offering that. I think um, it's been a
0: it's and a we great get rave reviews yeah. from our
1: clinicians and from our users.
0: All right, let me rapid fire a couple here and then we're going to talk about okay. Horizon. So, um, okay, now I'm looking through people and thank you to everybody who who sent questions through Facebook for Chasey. That was really cool. Uh, static. Um, static sometimes makes pods stop working, but some people seem to think it didn't happen as much with the bigger pods. I actually had the issue sometimes with the bigger pods, never with the smaller ones. So, is it just a case of Is there any rhyme or reason or?
1: (laughs) Well, you know what there is, is seasonality. So I think you and your users may already know this, but it comes and goes with the season. So as the um, air dries out and you're taking on and off jackets and sweaters, that's what creates uh, the challenge that we have. And in fact, the incident isn't very much different than, uh, in fact, I don't think it's different at all, the actual incidents across the small and large pod. But people could perceive differences depending on when they started the use of one device versus the other, and if their you know lifestyle habits have changed in terms of i don't know sweater wearing uh, locations where they're living et cetera It's a very small incidence uh, in the grand scheme of things, but it does spike in the winter, and we are working uh, hard in our uh, life cycle engineering to try to find solutions so that uh, we can either, you know, continue to drive down or eliminate the incidents entirely.
0: And it is a situation where the, where because of static electricity, the pod could it, it senses that it can't do its job correctly, and so it shuts itself down. Is That's that, right. Yep, right. it's
1: completely safe. It's no, nothing. Uh, un, it's always going to send off an alert, so it's never going to do something that um, the user, you know, uh, that would harm the user. But it does. It is an inconvenience because it does cause an alert, uh, to the user. And then when we get it back, we, we know that it's from ESD and, you know, we use that information then to develop, um, you know, potential, uh, solutions to the to the challenge.
0: People have so many great workarounds, like they stick dryer sheets in their pockets or rub the pod <laughs> with it. it. Some of that actually works. But hey, listen, here's what I always tell people, and I genuinely mean this. Uh, with Omnipod, you will never walk past the doorknob, get your tubing caught on it, and have it yank your infusion set out. So,
2: <laughs> So
0: true. there's not... In a world where nothing's perfect, this might just be your thing. And it's only when it gets cold outside because the heat dries the air out. It's not Omnipod's fault <laughs> that the heat dries the air out. Uh, <laughs> so it's
1: true, and but and it is just to put it in perspective. This is a fraction of it a is. percent. It's a very small instance. I, but I don't want to minimize it. Uh, you know, on all of our top complaints, we've got a lot of research and development going on to make sure that um, you know we solve them because our primary objective is to provide the best possible you know product and experience.
0: There's still a lot left in this interview. We're going to talk artificial pancreas, Medicaid, Medicare, different insulins in the pump, and all kinds of stuff. But first, let's talk about Dexcom. You know, before I jump into this, how great is everything Shacey's saying? Wait do you start hearing about the artificial pancreas stuff and how Dexcom's going to integrate with that. Oh, my. Excitement. But for now, for today... Do you know what a Dexcom is? Do you know what CGM is, a continuous glucose monitor, the ability to see your blood sugar in real time? What direction it's going in, how fast it's going in that direction, so not just to test and say, hey, my blood sugar is 96. Well, I don't know what that means. Is it 96 and going up, or 96 and going down? Is it gonna stay right here at 96? When you're just testing with a meter, you have no way to know, but when you're using a continuous glucose monitor, when you're using the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, You know that. There are other things out there calling themselves CGMs that do not give you that information. They don't give you rise and fall alerts. They don't give you a warnings and alarms when you leave your user set parameters. So I think that's really what sets Dexcom apart. Let's talk for a second about the share and follow apps, right? So it's 9.52 in the morning while I'm doing this. Wanna know what Arden's blood sugar is? Hold on, I pushed a button. It is 95. It is not just 95, but it's been 95, 100 for the last 52 minutes. Prior to that, it got up to 130 when I was able to send her a text and say, hey, let's just bump your blood sugar the tiniest little bit. So her blood sugar went from 72 this morning when she woke up, and as she was going into school, it got up to 130. I didn't have to watch it, it just told me. The Dexcom was like, beep, beep, hey, 130, because that's when I asked it to tell me. We made a small bolus, and now an hour and a half later, 95. I bet you I can keep Arden's blood sugar at 95 like this for the next hour and a half until it's time to pre-bolus for her lunch. And why can I pre-bolus while she's at school? Because she's wearing a Dexcom. Because I can see what's happening and I can make these great decisions, these kinds of decisions that keep Arden's blood sugar around 100 or wherever I want it to be. Of course, these are my individual results and yours may vary. As a listener to this podcast, if you're taking to heart any of the things that I've been saying, and you add a Dexcom to your life, I genuinely believe that you can have results that are similar to mine, if not better. And many of you send in notes and emails and you're making me look like I don't know what I'm doing. Just, it's amazing. Okay. So what's the first step into making that happen for yourself? You want to go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox That's how you get started. It's super simple. Your Dexcom CGM, I forgot to mention this, your Dexcom CGM will come with its own receiver that you know, the user carries with them, but if you wanna take advantage of the share features, Dexcom is also compatible with Android and iPhone. So, I mean, that's pretty much all of us because I just heard the other day the Windows phone is out of business. Not that that was really a thing. Okay, we've gotten off the track now. Back to Chasey. it seems like adults or people who have more carb intake want to know if the pod can hold more insulin. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh,
1: in fact, we looked at that quite significantly because we've got a growing number of, um, users of our device that live with type two diabetes. And so they require higher amounts of insulin. And then we also know as, you know, kids hit their teenage years, sometimes they, uh, spike in their insulin requirements and, Today, that means that a user has to use more pods because, obviously, the reservoir um, is the size that it is. And so we looked at that uh, right when we first all arrived. We saw that as an opportunity and said, okay, what can we do about this? And so we had a couple of different pod designs drawn up. And one way you could go about doing that is increase the size of the reservoir. Mm -hmm. But that means increasing the size of the pod. And obviously, we know that our users don't want that. And so, uh, the way that we ended up going after that is partnering with Lilly on concentrated insulins. And so, by concentrating the insulin, you get, obviously, you effectively increase the capacity of the pod. So, we've got two programs with Lilly. One is to get their U200 approved out of our pod, which effectively doubles the size of their reservoir. And then one is u U500, which is five times the uh, concentration of U100. That's used in a more you know, uh, niche population that really has um, significant insulin resistance, but that uh, both of those programs are underway, going very well. Uh, we anticipate that U five hundred will be on the market in twenty nineteen, and U two hundred in twenty twenty.
0: It's funny. It, I have no issues with like with pod changes. My daughter doesn't mind them, and you know, if they need to change, if we use, there, she had a growth period where for the first time ever, she weighs like 97 pounds. But for the first time ever, we just used up all the insulin. I was like, that never yep. happened before. Um, yep. And then we just switched it. And I don't think anything of it. As a matter of fact, I like the idea that the inf- that the sites change a little more frequently. It gives your skin, right. you know, it gives your body. Better absorption, yeah, yeah, skin gets a break. There's a, yep, lot of good, absolutely. a lot of good points about it. But I understand when people don't want to. So that's, okay, so that's interesting. Is there a timeline on that for the U200, yep. the U500? U200 is 2020
1: and U500 is is 2019. So we just wrapped the clinical with, uh, with u 500. These are longer, um, you know, submission and approval timelines because there's a pretty significant clinical development piece that Lily manages.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's a different, uh, regulatory pathway than, uh, you know, a new pump, for example.
0: Do you have, uh, any plans of going into other markets? I hear from people from Australia a lot as one example, um, yeah. who've, especially yeah. since the animus, now they feel like they're going to be forced to use a Medtronic and they yeah. don't have any other options.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, um, we know that there's a great demand in Australia, New Zealand for the product, and we are working actively to enter that market. One of the challenges we had is our existing agreement with Ipsomed, which, um, you know, as uh, we publicly announced now in July, at the end of July, that we are electing to terminate that agreement and transition that business back to us. Ipsomed was our partner in every market outside of the United States, Canada, and Israel, and so we could only enter markets um, at the pace uh, and you know at the priority that that Ipsimed sent and or set rather. So that's the challenge, and now that that is uh, coming to an end, we'll be able to move more aggressively into new markets. And Australia, New Zealand is on the list
0: for cool. sure. Oh, okay, so uh, I guess keeping in in line with things that are not easy to accomplish, and um, one of the things I see I do I personally see people talk online about a lot is the idea of Medicare, Medicaid, and they that it's difficult for people to use, I guess, the difficult or impossible. I'm not sure which it is for people in Medicare and Medicaid to use Omnipod. But is there something you're doing behind the scenes we don't see to try to make that a reality for people?
1: (laughs) There's so much we're doing behind the scenes. Um, This is, in fact, Pat uh, Sullivan, our CEO. It's his primary objective is Medicare. So they are linked in some way because if you establish Medicare or you know, CMS, Medicare coverage, then typically the Medicaid, the state-run Medicaid plans follow. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are not waiting for Medicare approval in order to get Medicaid approval. So we have been uh, increasing Medicaid access every quarter. We knock down at least one plan. So we've made significant strides in terms of Medicaid access across the country. That just happens more quickly and uh, it's a more straightforward path once we achieve Medicare access. Um Medicare access, we've been in discussions with uh, the previous administration and then through the administration change and also the current administration. So with uh, the new administration came a new head of uh, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services and then a new head of Medicare. And we've met with uh, all of those people and their staff. Um, and we have had very productive discussions. We've had incredible support from the advocacy community, from um, you know, the Diabetes Caucus from Congress people, and maybe most importantly from um, our customer base, Uh, I should just thank our potters because uh, we've generated tens of thousands of letters to Congress people and to Congress to try to compel CMS uh, to come to a decision here um, because it really is uh, such, um, in my mind, it's a travesty that uh, people have to age off this technology. And that we're not making more progress in terms of access. So we, we are working very hard on this. We significant investment. I would say our discussions have been productive and we are hopeful that there will be a solution
0: soon. Well, what is the real impediment here? Is it that the pod scene is... Disposable, or what is the yeah. you have that like <laughs> what you have this weird, like, like you, you're, I know. you're in a box.
1: It's not going right? <laughs> ha- to be a very satisfying answer, unfortunately. But, um, but the real issue is that uh, today there are, there are three pathways, but only really two relevant pathways for coverage within um, within Medicare. One is through the DME or durable medical equipment path, and that's part B, as in boy. Uh, that's how all traditional insulin pumps are uh, reimbursed today through Medicare. And the other pathway is through Part D as in dog, and that's the um, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, pharmacy benefit pathway. And that's how most insulin pens, for example, are reimbursed because they deliver insulin into the body. CMS has looked at Omnipod and said, well, you don't fit squarely into either one of those pathways. You know, in some ways, you're too durable for Part D, uh, the pharmacy benefit. And you're too disposable for Part B, as in boy, the the durable medical equipment pathway. And so uh, we have been, but however, you know, the law is very clear that says that if if there is something that delivers insulin to the body, if there's a diabetes supply that's not covered under B, um, the durable path, then it must be covered under Part D. And we believe that Omnipod actually uh, is very very similar to Exubra, inhaled insulins and other technologies that have been approved through Part D, uh, the pharmaceutical side. So that's really where we've been having the most productive discussions, and uh, we're hopeful that uh, CMS will issue a decision soon.
0: Is there a dent on your desk from where you bang your head when you think about this? Because that's <laughs> well, insane. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you, it makes no sense at all to me, Scott. I mean, you know, because you think about what happens just globally, just think about this. So somebody has been man- you know, managing on Omnipod very well, they turn 65 and CMS no longer, co- you know, Medicare yeah. doesn't cover. So then they have to go learn a new technology and CMS has to go buy a pump for this patient. So they've got to go spend, you know, what, five, $6,000 that they would not otherwise have spent. Um, and so it's not only is it, you know, causing problems for people who are successfully managing with Omnipod, it's also causing the system to spend money that they otherwise would not have spent. So it's just, it is a lose-lose right now. And we, we really need to find a solution for these um, Omnipod users and uh, you know one that <laughs> makes sure that the government isn't spending unnecessary money. It makes yeah, no
0: sense. Plus the cost of your desk. Here's, <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's uh, I'm going to ask a quick one and then I'm going to ask one that I know a lot of people care about. So I don't usually hear people talk about this much, but is there any idea of extending the length that you can wear a pod, like I always thought 72 hours was the amount of time that doctors wanted an open port into your body and that it needed to be changed. But am I wrong about that?
1: Well, um, no, that is the current guidance. I think actually a lot of infusion set companies are um, also evaluating length of wear and could we extend the wear. I understand why. I mean, I think, you know, users do want to be able to extend the wear of these devices. Um, And then also also you have just sort of the um, standard that's set with Dexcom just in terms of monitoring devices as opposed to insulin delivery. The challenge we have is exactly what you just said. You know, there's great benefit in rotating sites when it comes to insulin delivery because it improves absorption, reduces scarring, you know, gives your skin a break. All of that stuff is good in terms of your management. And it's probably why... You know, some of the data shows that uh, you get better control with Omnipod than even a tubed pump. It's probably because of that insulin absorption. Um, And you also typically will use less insulin. So all of that is, you know, comes from rotating your sites more frequently. So we don't want to lose that benefit. But we have started to explore, you know, the potential for um, extending the wear of sites. That's very early stages. And I don't really have a lot of insight to share at this point. Um, we know that some people would want that. We just balance that with kind of the benefits of the three-day site rotation.
0: I always think of it as it's just the very unsexy idea of that the cannulas need to be improved, and that's not exactly yeah. something on anybody's you know to-do list, right. uh, as maybe as it, it definitely should be, I think. But okay, so we don't have an issue with this. Um, one time, Arden got a small rash under her Omnipod, and this was... Seven years ago, and that was the day that it occurred to me that I was drying her skin out with alcohol And I know you probably can't say not to use alcohol to I'm sure that the FDA says I have to clean the site with alcohol I don't use alcohol before I put anything on my daughter. We warm water and soap and clean it off and dry it and put stuff on Um, but so I've never had an issue uh, to speak of but I do hear a lot of people asking, are there going to be hypoallergenic versions of the adhesive or multi-? sometimes Dexcom talks about having multiple adhesives that they're hoping to be able to choose from one that yep. sticks more? Are you guys, I'm assuming you have conversations like that, but can you tell me where they're at?
1: Yeah. So we. So this is the challenge that you have when you have any wearable technology, right? Mm-hmm. You have people who feel like the adhesive can be too adhesive and cause skin irritation and then you have people who worry about it not being adhesive enough and it falling off the body. And you're trying to strike the perfect balance for everybody in terms of how wearable your adhesive is and also how strong it is um, in a variety of, you know, situations that people find themselves in life, playing sports and showering and swimming and all of that. So we have um, a number of engineers just focused on optimization of the adhesive and the potential of providing different types of adhesive. Um, You know, maybe there's there's an opportunity to provide a really adhesive one and one that's less adhesive and maybe more uh, wearable. And so we're looking at all of those uh, opportunities just, you know, as we look across our customer experience, we all always flag the most common um, pieces of feedback, either through product complaints or market research or a number of different avenues. And then we prioritize those and put a number of engineers behind each of those opportunities. And, Certainly the adhesive uh, is one of those. And so we're exploring a ton of different uh, opportunities there to continue to improve. I will say, you know, relative to other wearables on the market, it's a pretty low complaint rate. um, And we have worked hard to optimize it to date. But I think we can always try to make sure that the product works um, best for the widest swath of people and experiences. And so, We've got avenues to that end. I think what we could see is for people who want more adhesive or more stickiness, we might see something that is added to the pod, like an overlay or something like that. And then for people who want um, less adhesiveness, we're still working on continuing to optimize the um, uh you know, the adhesive and different partners that we might work with on that end.
0: Okay. Well, Chasey's not saying this, but in Europe, they would tell you not to clean a site with alcohol. And in America where everybody sues everybody, they tell you to do it. So you make up your own mind. That's what I did. Um, (laughs) And uh, okay. Okay. So I've left eight minutes, seven, but let's call it eight. Everyone is excited, right? Because for the first time, it's not just something shows up one day and I'm like, oh, did you see somebody made a new pump or something? But we all are looking forward to something. We are looking over the horizon, Chasey. And, and we, are, we are wondering what's on the other side of that horizon. And is it a world where my CGM, my Dexcom talks to my Omnipod and my Omnipod talks to my Dexcom and all I say is, I'm eating a big meal, Omnipod, go. Is that right? It's just it's so great. Tell me everything you're allowed to tell me about that.
1: Okay. I'll tell you everything that we've made uh, public about this. So I think the last time we, you and I spoke, I said, this is absolutely a part of the future. And I think there will be multiple systems on the market. And Omnipod, and we are working very hard to make Omnipod um, you know, the most user-friendly and most innovative system on the market that comes. And we call that Omnipod Horizon, to your point, looking to the horizon. Um, and the way that this system uh, is intended to work is that Uh, the user would use their PDM or perhaps their mobile phone to pair their uh, CGM sensor and their Omnipod and create sort of an on-body ecosystem, if you will. So once the PDM forces the Dexcom to pair with the pod, then they speak to one another uh, independent of the PDM. And the algorithm, so as everybody knows, with these systems, these automated insulin delivery systems, It composes three components. It's a sensor, uh, insulin delivery pump, and uh, an algorithm. And the algorithm is a very complex mathematical equation that takes the information from your blood glucose and then adjusts your insulin delivery in an automated fashion so that the user has much less responsibility. Um, You know, they uh, can loosely estimate carbs when they eat. Uh, And the system is designed uh, to provide better control and better precision in terms of insulin delivery. So the way that our system will work is the algorithm resides on the pod and the Dexcom uh, information, the blood glucose uh, reading is, the continuous glucose reading is then fed into the algorithm and the algorithm then automatically um, delivers insulin through the pod. We're we're actually making very rapid progress on this system. We're now in our third IDE, Investigation Device Exempt Trial. Uh, we have now studied the system in or the algorithm in more than uh, probably almost 90 patients now, uh, all the way down to age six, I think, um, so kids through adolescents through adults. And um, it's been performing incredibly well. We've published uh, abstracts at ADA, at um, at EASD, and ATTD on the performance of the technology. uh, And it's been pretty extraordinary. So working very hard to get um, all of uh, that clinical development work done so that we can get into pivotal trials with the FDA and actually get the system to the market. Um we're uh, forecasting to be uh, in the market sometime at the end of 19, although I must say there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done between now and then. Um, we've recruited our medical director, Dr. Trang Lai, from Stanford, where all of these systems are studied. And she's, um, you know, she's been a terrific leader over that program in just trying to make sure that we're doing a thorough clinical evaluation of the technology, um, and rapid development, but also getting to market as quickly as we can.
0: Have so. you seen it work in person? Do I see what, have you seen it work? Like, oh yeah. yeah. It's
1: incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And you know, people, the potential benefit of these technologies is just, you know, I and mean, we spoke about this, right. The overnight control, the, the reduction of burden, um, you know, that these systems can provide, it, we have a, frankly, we have a strategic imperative, uh, which everybody is aligned to, but I feel like we have a moral imperative to really get these technologies to market as quickly as we possibly can, obviously as safely and effectively as we possibly can. And the beauty of this system is that, you know, with the other systems, you may have your algorithm either on your pump or maybe on your cell phone, which means that you're always going to need those devices right by you. With our system, you can imagine you know, priming your pod, pairing your devices, and you can go for a run or take a shower or go for a swim and remain in closed-loop control. And by minimizing the times that you're kicked out of closed-loop control, our goal is to make the user experience much better, um, much less burdensome. Because in today's systems, when you get kicked out of closed-loop control, you've got to calibrate. There's still a lot of work involved, and we want to provide automation and improved control, particularly overnight control, uh, without, um, you know, a lot more work on behalf of the user.
0: Well, chasey that's not something anyone ever talks about. That's huge. <laughs> that's it's, it's what that should be. You should be writing that on the side of the new building you're making. That's, that's, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, o- only the people in Acton would say it, but still it's very, that really is that's, as you're saying that I get goosebumps because it never yeah. occurred to me that that was the truth. And so just like when we're talking about, you don't have to disconnect now to go swimming with the Omnipod. You don't have to right. disconnect from closed loop, right. and I never occurred to me that you would have to. Oh, that's right.
1: genius. And people say, "Oh well, this, you know, the current system that's available um, is waterproof." I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to shower with it. You're not going to, you know, right. like unless you're wearing some sort of belt or something. I don't know exactly how that would work. But and so we really, we you know, our goal when we think of you know, our honestly, our. Our objective and our imperative is as we bring all any new innovation that starts with DASH um, through concentrated insulins through our Horizon automated glucose control system, as we bring these new technologies to people living with diabetes and their families, you know, people rely on Omnipod because it is easy to use, because it helps kids forget they have diabetes, it helps people manage. you know, around their life as opposed to their life around their diabetes. It really is, it provides a freedom and a quality of life. And our most important imperative is that as we bring more innovation to the market, we cannot lose sight of being, of reducing burden and being easy to use rather than, you know, potentially bringing more innovation but being more difficult to use. We have to make sure that um, we give more to our users and we ask less of them.
0: When you go around that building today, hug everyone you see, Tom, it's from me. Okay, and so, <laughs> God, uh, as long as you don't have an HR problem with that, I don't know if you would or not, but <laughs> Chasey hugged everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Just hold on one second till after the music, I'm going to be announcing a giveaway. So hang tight. If you're new to the podcast and you liked it, please press subscribe in your podcast app.
1: Like everybody in this building... Um, is incredibly committed to what we do, and to um, you know, and just to making people's lives better that live uh, live with diabetes. So if I can uh, do it again anytime soon, I'd be happy to. But thanks for the day today; it was great.
0: Thank you very, very much. I'm going to be taking a week off from putting up a new show, so this is a great time to go into the back catalog and check out things you may have missed. The next episode that you see go up will be a very short couple minutes that we'll just be announcing a giveaway of a genteel lancing device that'll be one absolutely free genteel lancing device for one lucky winner i will make it super simple for you to enter and it will not be a big deal and one of you is going to uh one of you is going to get a free genteel uh then after that the next episode will come that should be pretty simple i just need a little bit of time to get the t-shirts together and the giveaway um, and i need to do some editing for a bunch of shows that's pretty much it. This one was fantastic. Thanks so much to Chasey and Omnipod for coming on and filling us in on what's going on. And of course, thank you, Dexcom, for supporting the podcast. Go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. You can also go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Or if you're an Animus or Medtronic user and you want to switch, that's right. I threw you in there too, Medtronic. I know what you're doing. There's a switching program for Medtronic too. But the one we talked about for Animus earlier was Chasey, you need to call 8886 GET Pod. G E T P O D. Switch today. I think you're gonna love it. I know what you're doing, Medtronic.
2: I see it.